It's poverty. It's crime. Unemployment. Corruption. Accountability. The energy crisis. Inflation. We are worried. That South Africa has myriad problems on all fronts is a given. But the time has come for us to look for real solutions. I'm Jeremy Maggs, and this MoneyWeb podcast will discuss those solutions on how South Africans can solve problems by having tough conversations and drawing on the insights of South Africa's top business leaders. Welcome to Fix SA. In March this year, presenting his results, this is what our guest told the investment community, and I quote, This cannot continue, and more urgent and decisive leadership and action are required. He was referring to, among other problems, Transnet's woes, load shedding, and water infrastructure. Welcome to Fix SA here on MoneyWeb. I'm Jeremy Maggs, and our guests have in the past and in coming weeks will be asked how we can make things better in South Africa. How do we improve matters? How in the shortest space of time, because time is of the essence, can we become a competitive, successful and winning nation again? Mike Brown is the outgoing chief executive officer of NetBank. He's been at the helm for 14 years. Just before he comes into the conversation, I did ask one of his colleagues how he was perceived inside the company. And this was the answer. The quintessential banker, a thoughtful man, considered and a person who listens. So it's our turn now to listen to him. Mike Brown, welcome to Fix SA. Those three problems that I mentioned, transnet, load shedding, water infrastructure, are those the things that really need fixing or is there more to it than that? Jeremy, hi. There's always much more to it than that. And in fact, we've sort of said the centrality of things that need to be fixed are energy and load shedding, infrastructure around logistics and transnet, crime and corruption, and then there are many others, be that water, be that education. But if you really want to focus on the three that are currently the most important, um, I think most business people would go for energy, logistics, and crime and corruption. And Mike, how much frustration is this causing to the business community before we start talking about solutions? It's definitely causing a a huge amount of frustration, both in how long it's taking us to get material traction in fixing these issues, and then, you know, how that plays out in the economic impacts of all of them across our country, be that uh, lower levels of GDP, be that, you know, lower levels of tax take in government and higher fiscal deficits, but in the round, effectively, all South Africans are becoming poorer as a consequence of these infrastructural failings. So we have so many problems on that radar screen. We need almost two radar screens in this country. How do we set priority when it comes to fixing things? Well, I think you know there's many ways to do that. I, I think, first of all, it requires a mindset that we can't change yesterday. We can't wish away the history and all of these issues that have got us to where we are today. But what we actually can change through leadership and working together is we can change tomorrow. And, you know, in South Africa, I think we unbelievably good at looking back, blaming, diagnosing, you know, coming up with solutions. But we're unbelievably poor at joining together and looking forward as to how to implement those solutions. So, you know, my sense is that it all starts with that mindset. 
How do you change the mindset, Mike? What's the what's the catalyst? Well, I think it's got to take all parties that can work towards a better future, joining hands and agreeing to work together wherever possible. Now, everybody's got to stay in their own lanes. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, it does require, in particular, business, government, labor, and civil society to work much more closely together to to implement solutions rather than mm. continually throw stones at each other. You raise an interesting point about all stakeholders in this debate, and myself included, because the media is part of it. You say it's important for us to stay in our lanes. I couldn't agree with you more. But I think there's a tendency in this country sometimes for us to want to get into other people's lanes and perhaps cut them off. How do you make sure, and that's an interesting, it's an interesting point that you raise, how do you make sure that we do stay uh, in our specific lanes so, Mike, we can make the biggest and most positive contribution? No, look, I think, you know, it isn't a perfect science because, you know, lanes are, are in increasingly in the in the modern world, lanes between businesses, lanes between countries are blurred. But for example, if you look at the initiatives that have been announced over the last few weeks, um, led by the Business for South Africa platform around business wanting to work in partnership with government on those three big issues of energy, logistics, and crime and corruption, I think business is very clear that it's not our role to set policy in those environments, but absolutely we can help with the implementation of that policy to ensure that there are more effective outcomes for the benefits of all South Africans. So I suppose it's around that mindset of, of thinking about where your lane is, but knowing that there will be some blurring from time to time. And that partnership that you talk about uh, is also predicated, I imagine, on trust and a willingness to compromise, to cede a little bit of ground if you have to. It's something that we were very good at for a while in the past. I wonder if we've lost that. Yeah, I think we have lost it. And, and it is something that we need to to regain because when everybody staunchly stands their ground, uh, particularly in a society like ours with so many extraordinary large challenges and people getting poorer on a daily basis, you know, that that reality will just continue. And we keep looking backwards and blaming each other for what happened however many years ago in various areas in our country. And, and we really do have to focus on looking forward because it is only tomorrow that we can change. We simply cannot change our history. Mike, I took a little bet with myself uh, after we'd done about three or four of these podcasts uh, to see how soon my guests would raise the issue of leadership. And uh, you've raised it within the first uh, five minutes of our conversation. So you're kind of up there with everybody else. So let's go down that lane if we can for a little. Where's the leadership deficiency in this country and how do we promote, source, train, encourage better leadership in South Africa, because I absolutely agree with you. The moment we have that dynamic right, or at least part of the way right, things will start to look better. It would seem to me that we only have pockets of leadership, but it's not a, a universal skill, perhaps, that we have and one that we really need urgently. Ah, I think you're right. You know, South Africa, if you look back over our 
our history, we've produced some amazing leaders as a country, leaders who are inclusive, leaders who are forward-looking, and leaders who are driven by what's good for the people that they lead and not what is in their own personal interests. And, you know, I think if we look backwards, not particularly helpful, as I said earlier, but we lost our way from 2010 to 2018, somewhere around about there, where, where we really did have a leadership vacuum around the long-term best interests of the people of South Africa. And we're struggling to regain that. And in many, I think, state-owned enterprises, what you see is that in that period, as a consequence of the actions of leaders, so many good people would have just chosen to go and work elsewhere. And now we're left with not only um, leadership challenges, but operational vacuum where good people decided they didn't want to be part of that. So there's an enormous amount to rebuild. You sit or have sat, uh, I mentioned that uh, you are uh, exiting the organization uh, after some time, uh, but you've, you've sat on the, on the apex of the triangle, so to speak. You have led a large, significant, listed organization. What do you think makes a good leader? Well, the, the bad news for you is I'm still around for a while. All we've announced is the start of a process to find my successor, and, and I'm here until, until I hand over the baton. Point taken, Mike Brown. <laughs> but I think, you know, leadership is, is in many ways situational. I think first and foremost, you know, what a good leader needs to do is be honest, you know, have integrity, and at the same time have a very deep, and realistic understanding of both the current reality and be able to paint a picture and a vision of a much better future. And then the role of the leader is quite simply to convince people to come with them on that journey to a better future. But to do that, you have to be credible in, in being able to demonstrate that it's not just in your interests to go down this journey, that this journey is in the best interests of all of the employees and clients of Nedbank for a Nedbank vision, or if you take it to a country level, that this really is in the interests of all of our citizens, not just a certain grouping. And from your own experience, how have you managed to do that? How have you convinced groups of people to do something, particularly when there might have been naysayers? Well, I think, you know, first and foremost, you need to have a really good team of people around you because before you start trying to convince in the case of Nedbank 25 or 26,000 people, I've got an executive team of 12 or 13 people who their job is really to push and test so that by the time we're trying to convince the 25,000, what, we what we've come up with has got a lot of credibility amongst the, the top leadership group of the organization. So I think that's really important because leaders can't do stuff on their own. You know, leaders really deliver through other leaders. So getting the right people on the right seats on the bus, to use a Jim Collins phrase, I think is, is absolutely mm. vital. And then the human side of it all, I, I think people have to just see their leaders not as many years ago, the sort of, you know, all singing, all dancing, and everybody bows down to the leader. I think it's much more around human-centered leadership and walking the people journey of leadership than the 
the sort of thou shalt command and control journey of, of leadership, which in the modern era just doesn't work. I don't want to make this a conversation exclusively about leadership because there are other aspects of fixing South Africa that I want to cover. But one, one more question very quickly about leadership. Is leadership, I imagine, also predicated on making decisions swiftly, not becoming a victim of inertia, even if some of those decisions you make are not always 100% right? That's that's absolutely correct. You know, you've <laughs> decision-making is data knowledge, but it's also a little bit of art um, as well. And you can analyze things forever and it won't materially change what the big decision is. Now, so clearly you can't make you know, decisions too quickly because that, that's also going to lead to a very poor outcome. But you know, if you've got 10 decisions to make, you know, best you make at least eight of them right and get 10 wrong rather than stare at all 10 for a long time and not make any of them. More broadly, Mike Brown, do you think there is a willing majority of people in South Africa who still want to fix things or as the load shedding has intensified, as things have become more difficult when it comes to cost of living, that people have simply given up? What, what, where do you think we sit on the uh, on the spectrum there? Yeah, I you know, I think we absolutely just simply cannot give up. We we have to be realistic and know that, that we are a country of considerable challenges, some of them, you know, as a result of, of global challenges and how they play out in our world, but many, many of them self-inflicted. But we are also a country of absolutely extraordinarily talented people and considerable potential on multiple fronts. And, you know, I don't think, while many parts of our country may be failing, we certainly know we're near a failed state. And I'm certainly not giving up. And when we talk to, you know, all of the business leaders and our clients and customers, they're not giving up. They're going to try wherever they can to roll up their sleeves and play their part in helping to create a South Africa that we are all proud of and that our children and grandchildren want to live in. And tell me, Mike, where you seeing glimpses of that? Because there is a perception that maybe the divide of cooperation is too wide, that uh, we can't do it. Yet, uh, we will see little pockets of difference, little pockets of excellence, little pockets of progress. In, in your day-to-day -to -day operations, are you seeing that among people that you deal with, maybe particularly with the uh, smaller businesses that are your clients? Yeah, it's just amazing what great entrepreneurs we have in our country. And, you know, we would have looked back on an event like COVID as, as something that should have, have, have really decimated so many small businesses um, that it didn't because, you know, entrepreneurs found a way of being able to deal and work through that, the same as they have with load shedding. I think it's incredibly difficult for, for people to start up new businesses, but existing entrepreneurs have coped extremely well. You know, to bring it back to an industry level and, and you know, to talk a little bit about, about our industry, you know, when we go and see foreign investors and big asset managers around the world that we do at least twice a year, all of them recognize the South African financial services system and that's not just the banks. I'm talking about the other areas in the financial services, the stock exchange, the bond markets, et cetera, as being an absolute island of excellence inside the challenges that our country faces. And I'm sure there are many, many more. 
So I'm going to take you into the room now, Mike, and you're going to chair this meeting. And, and the, the name of the meeting is the Fix SA meeting. You're chairing it. We've got a broad sense of what the problems are. As a manager, how do you start the fix? What, what is on your list of priorities? Well, I'm, I'm not going to reinvent another list of things that need to be done because that's something that I think we've done too many times in our country. We're very so, good at making lists, aren't we? We're excellent at making lists. So I'm going to stick with exactly that short list of three that um, we've come up with from the Business for South Africa platform, energy, transport, and crime and corruption. And knowing that that, that may well be the platform for others to follow, be that water, be that education, many of the other challenges that, that we face. But essentially, what we're going to do is try for each of those, agree a sensible milestone outcome at a date in the future. So, for example, if it's the energy issue, you know, what do we think is a reasonable date for ending load shedding? And then from today going forwards, what are those key milestones between now and then that you know, back to the boring business of tracking and monitoring delivery of milestones and correcting when you're behind. So problem solving, if I'm hearing you correctly, is about taking small bites of the of the proverbial elephant, so to speak, critical that you monitor and chart what is happening. How do you track it? What kind of milestones do you need to put in place? And what happens when we don't reach those milestones? How do you self-correct? If you take um, a look at, at something like what NECOM is doing in the energy environment, there are milestones that, that, that are set, milestones around you know, when various maintenance programs will be finished to lift the energy availability factor, milestones around uh, the timing of when the extraordinary amount of self-generation or commercial industrial generation that's currently being built, when will that actually hit the grid? So, so I think all of those milestones exist probably in more detail in energy and less detail in the other two work streams, and that will be the first order of business for those, for those work streams. But then, you know, like any program management office, you know, you need a program management office up and running, you're going to miss some milestones. You're going to beat some other milestones. And, and where you miss, you know, what are those um, actions that you take to catch up that space? And I think perhaps more importantly, I think what will be really key is to wrap some communication around that whole story. Because right now, you know, we do have a very negative narrative around our society. And it, I think it's only by being able to demonstrate delivery of these milestones that people will say, okay, we see you've managed to hit milestone one. You've hit milestone two. Okay, maybe you've missed milestone three, but, but as soon as you start hitting milestones, people start to believe the end point. And right now, I think people don't necessarily believe the end point. So we have to create little pebbles on the road to that end point. And with any project, whether it be big or small, there are always obstacles that are going to be uh, thrown up, and the challenge for good leadership is to overcome them. Philosophically, how do you do that? How do you course correct? Well, I suppose most of that is 
in trying to understand what caused that particular challenge. And, you know, sometimes, you know, it's an external issue and, and there's very little sometimes you can do about that. You've just got to realize that you were predicting that ABC was going to happen externally and DEF actually played out. So even though you're behind your original milestones, maybe you're actually doing quite well in the revised environment that you're in. But what you've also got to be clear on is that if you start missing milestones and it's entirely of your own doing, then you've got to start looking at do you have the right people and you know those issues in, in execution. Well, let's talk about that. Uh, you've preempted my next question. Uh, so we're still sitting in this room and you're still managing this process of fixing South Africa. In an ideal world, who would you call in to help you fix it? Well, I think in an ideal world, you do need... Um, a mix of politicians, um, you need a strong public service being able to deliver and execute. And currently in South Africa, I think you need the help of business. And that's why we're setting up these platforms. But, you know, if you stood back in uh, a sort of, it's sort of a more, a more normal functioning environment, that really should be being delivered within the government that we pay taxes for. But clearly, we are in an environment where we need to work together to try and achieve those outcomes. You said at the very beginning of our conversation that uh, you remain optimistic, that you're, you're not going to give up. You're in it for the long haul. Where do you derive that optimism from? Well, so I think from multiple levels. So firstly... I think to be a leader in any environment in the world, particularly one where, where there's always things happening everywhere that you didn't expect, it's very difficult to be a leader if you aren't naturally inclined to, to optimism. You need to be realistic, but you have to be inclined to the optimism of you know, what can you do differently tomorrow to fix the, the challenges of of, of yesterday. So I think I, I'm, I'm naturally an, an optimist. But then I stand back and look at the huge potential that our country has, be that the mineral resources that we've been endowed with, be that the financial markets that we have, the depth, liquidity in our domestic financial markets that are the envy of most emerging markets in the world, be that our agricultural endowment, the beauty of our country from a tourism point of view, you know, the fact that we are a gateway into Africa, we have deep skills in this country around, you know, legal accounting, those things that businesses that want to access Africa as a gateway will, would, would need. Broadly speaking, our corporate sector in South Africa is well managed. Every now and then there'll be a hiccup, but that's the nature of business. Broadly speaking, I think we've got a very well-managed corporate in environment. And, you know, people who've traveled and looked all over the world, this is an absolutely spectacularly beautiful place to live. So I get lots of optimism from all of those factors. I have two more questions for you, Mike Brown. The first one is, uh, you've given us uh, the sense of leadership. You've given us what needs to be fixed. You've given us a broad operating blueprint. So thank you very much for that. At what point do we know when we have fixed South Africa, what the end goal is and when we've reached it? Well, I suppose it's a bit like a business. You never reach your end goal. That's the, 
that's the excitement of the future. There's always a new leader who will emerge at some point in the cycle who will point to the next mountain that everybody needs to to climb. But, you know, right now in the short term, you know, I think it's all about when do we have sufficiency of electricity supply that we no longer have load shedding? When do we have our logistics sector working such that we can actually export everything that we can produce, you know, through through our ports and through rail without destroying our roads? And when do people in our country feel safe and don't fear um, when they go to sleep, when they go to sleep at night? I mean, I think those would be fundamental. You know, you can add to that. I think an outcome which would be fiscal sustainability. Right now, the economic challenges of those items that I've just spoken about really do put our long-term fiscal sustainability at risk. In simple terms, I don't think many South Africans realize this, but our government has to borrow about 2 billion rand a day to balance the books. That's because the economy is not growing fast enough to produce enough taxes to pay for all the programs that we implement as a country. So we need to borrow 2 billion rand a day. Now, you know, we somewhere need to reduce that amount of borrowings and put our fiscal you know, trajectory back on a sustainable stance. So, you know, I would, I would kind of put those out there. And then, I, you know, I'm sure um, getting as a consequence of all of that to higher levels of economic growth so that we can in turn attract investment that reduces our unsustainably and terribly high unemployment levels, particularly amongst the youth. And here's the last one, uh, Mike. Um, I'll I'll take the uh, slight uh, admonishment from you in saying that uh, you're going to be around for a while. But having said that, at some point, uh, you are going to exit, you are going to retire. So when you're talking to young people, let's say in 20, 25 years' time, what are you going to tell them about the early 2020s? And more importantly, what is their role as the so-called baton holding generation because at some point it's up to the next generation i sincerely hope that in 20 or 25 years time we'd look back and say that after an extraordinarily difficult period for south africa in some of it external dealing with covid you know dealing with the implications of of, of wars in europe and what that means for inflation and interest rates dealing with the challenges that our country faced in the era of state capture, but that, that the early 2020s were the time where we finally started to turn the corner to fix South Africa for the betterment of, of all of its people. And, you know, for you in 25 years' time, um, you need to hold leaders accountable so that we never go back again to where we were um, in the run-up to those early 2020s. Mike Brown, thank you very much for joining us. My name's Jeremy Maggs, and thank you for listening right here on MoneyWeb. Thanks for listening to this Fix SA podcast. For more episodes posted every second Friday, go to moneyweb.co.za, the MoneyWeb app, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. 
or follow MoneyWeb News on social media for more updates. MoneyWeb, your trusted source for business and investment insights.